Good morning. On behalf of the pastors and deacons and members of Calvary Bible Church and the family of the Pritchards, we want to welcome each one of you here this morning. And uh, we know you were here because she must have touched your life uh, as she has definitely touched mine. I want to just say welcome and we are, or you all are in our prayers. I would like at this time to open with prayer and commit our time to the Lord. Our Father who art in heaven, Truly, we can say, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his loving kindness and tender mercies. This morning, especially, Lord, as we approach your throne, we commit the Pritchard family to you, Lord. You know each one of them from the inside out. Lord, you know this is a very difficult time. But we can praise our God and we can give him thanks because even though we mourn, we do not mourn as those who have no hope because Sister Pritchard is absent from the body and is present with the Lord. And Father, we want to thank you for the impact that she had on this local assembly. And I ask, oh God, that each of us will look into her life and take, if only a page, that we might be more like you as we commit ourselves to you. Thank you for the opportunity that you gave her to serve. And I know that she served in spirit and in truth and in the beauty of holiness. So we thank you for this homegoing service. Lord, may you be glorified. Quiet our hearts, I pray thee, as we wait in your presence this morning. We pray in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen. Permit me to say a few words about Sister Pritchard. If I was going to use one word to define her, it would be faithfulness. And it is required of Steward that a man be found faithful according to God's word. And that's one thing, if you can't think of anything else, that we know she was faithful. Yes. At 90 years of age, 90, she faithfully came every Wednesday. To I sent her over here, and she did whatever it was that she needed to do to help hurting people. That's faithfulness. Just about three months ago, she, I'm not even sure that she realized that it was getting more difficult for her to get out, but she had to stop. And I understand that the Wednesday before she died, her plans were to come to operation in as much. That's a place across the way that we give out dry goods, food, clothing to the needy. And again, we recognize where she chose to put some of her time. 
and that is to meet the needs of those who were in need. Faithfulness at that age, all I can say is to God be the glory. Amen. And I thank God again for her. And I know that if I feel this way about her, how much more our Heavenly Father, who has welcomed her into his presence, where she will spend eternity. And I hope with every one of us who are here, if you're here and don't know Jesus Christ, you will miss her if you don't trust her as your Lord and Savior. My prayer is you will make sure that you not only see her again, but you will be able to worship at the feet, as I'm sure she is doing and will be doing at our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's feet. God bless you, and I continue to hold you up in prayer. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Annette. I'm grateful for the privilege of ministering God's word this morning. As has been mentioned, Ruth Pritchard is the reason that we are all here, but Ruth is not here. You and I are here to look within, around, and up for God's perspective, truth, and hope. Every human being is made in God's image, and God is three in one. Being made in God's image, each of us is three in one. We have bodies that help us relate to our environments. We have souls that allow us to relate to other persons. And we have spirits that allow us to interact with God. When dear sister Ruth's spirit and soul were dismissed from her body, they were not dismissed to stop existing, nor were they dismissed to float around somewhere aimlessly. They were dismissed to go back to the one who gave them in the first place. They were dismissed to wait for a sure reunion with Ruth's resurrected body. I like Ecclesiastes 12, verses 6 and 7, and the reason I do is that these two verses help us to understand both death and life in the light of death coming. This is what they say. Remember him, that is God, before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel is broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. And so I repeat that Ruth Pritchard is the reason we are all here, but dear Ruth is not here. You are here to look within, around, and up, to look for God's perspective, truth, and hope. Together, let's again ask the Lord's help in prayer. Let us pray. Once again, Father, we come knowing you welcome us for the sake of Jesus into your presence. We thank you that we can trust you to let not our hearts be troubled. We can find help to believe in you. We can find help to know the surety of life after death and heaven after earth for the believer. Lord, teach us what we need to learn. Show us what we need to see. Establish what we need to believe and in all of it, encourage us in the hope and certainty of the promises of your word. For we ask this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. We are going to sing a lovely hymn, In the Garden. I'm going to ask if you all would stand, except the immediate families free to remain seated if they wish. Let's stand to sing, I Come to the Garden Alone.
This time we're going to have some tributes, beginning with Mr. Kenneth Dawson, who is a son-in-law. Good morning. And thank you, friends and family, for being here today to celebrate the life of my dear mother-in-law, Hazel Ruth Pritchard. I first met Mom in 1975, shortly after I had set out to woo her daughter, Deborah. Both she and Dad eyed me with suspicion for the first few months. Still, until it started to become apparent that Deborah and I were probably going to stay together. One day I sat down with them and I told them it was getting cumbersome calling them Mr. and Mrs. Pritchard. And could I call them mom and dad from then on? They cast sideways glances at each other and I thought I detected the corners of their mouths turning down a little. <laughs> but they somewhat reluctantly agreed and soon after that day the suspicion had subsided. So mom it was, and then after Deborah and I got married, our two beautiful little, little girls, 
<laughs> Tammy and Jesse arrived from Korea with no English and precious little Korean. So what to call grandma? How about grandma in Korean? How meoni? That was a little awkward. So we shortened it to Mooney and that stuck. She was Mooney from then on. Pretty much all of her grandkids, of which she had nine, and her great-grandkids, of which she had 14, called her Mooney. And, and I did most days myself. There was only one Mooney. <laughs> she was unique. For her family, she was their strength, their rock, and their confidant. She was ornery at times, and she was definitely stubborn. But she sure loved her family, and each family member knew it. And we loved her back. Dad was called Papa by the grandkids and great-grandkids. Mom loved Papa very much, and as you know, he was taken for her nine years ago. I don't think she ever got over him leaving this world, and she was pretty upset with him for doing it. Besides being involved with her ever-growing family, Mom liked to get her hair done at Rui's every Saturday morning. She loved to volunteer at Inasmuch here at the church on Wednesdays and loved to attend church at her beloved Calvary Bible. She loved going out for lunch and a whole host of other wonderful pastimes. She had her 90th birthday party on June 28th to celebrate a life well lived. All who knew her, will miss her terribly. The world is definitely a better place for her having been in it. Godspeed, Mom, till we meet again. As a lot of you may know, Tamsin and Nicholas are not here. She wanted to be here, but she's doing what Mooney would have loved them to do, reaching young people in Bermuda. So she wrote this, and I know that the other grandchildren feel the same way. Last month, we celebrated Mooney's 90th birthday as we shared stories about her life and what she meant to each of us, I was reminded just how special she was. She worked hard from a young age to take care of herself and her family. She didn't have an easy life, but she made the best of difficult situations. She raised four kids with my papa, who all are loving and kind people. She took all of her grandkids to church every Sunday, all piled in her niece's sunny hatchback, along with whoever she picked up along the way. She opened a home to those who needed a home, including Nicholas, Mercy, and me. Today, I don't have to write this, wishing she knew how I felt about her. And I'm so thankful that the Lord provided us time for each of us to tell her that we love her and to say thank you. For my whole life, Mooney has been telling us, I'm going to die soon and then you'll be sorry. <laughs> That's because her parents and brothers died young and so she was always expecting to die. The Lord, however, gave her a long life which she used to bless her family and her church. I am so thankful for the legacy of faithfulness to the Lord she has left behind for each of us and all the happy memories we have because she made sure we gathered together. Now she really is gone, and while we miss her so much, sorry isn't quite the right word to describe how I feel. I am sad but thankful that I know she is home with her Lord. I wish she was still here, but I'm thankful she didn't suffer in pain and that she was with people she loved right up until her last breath. Our mountain is gone, but her legacy remains in each of our hearts. And as we choose to serve the Lord and love each other, we choose to honor her memory and all the sacrifices that she made for each of us. 
Good morning. On behalf of Kathy and I, I would like to extend our sincere Christian sympathies to the family today. Sister Ruth was a dear soul. We've had a communication from David and Catherine Cole, which I'd like to read right now. Ruth and Elwood were longtime friends of ours, and now they are united in heaven. Ruth was always pleased to see us when we visited Nassau, and we enjoyed seeing her to catch up with her and the rest of the family. We really enjoyed fellowship with her, and our visits always ended with prayer. Little did we think when we saw her earlier this year that it would be the last year on earth. She was a very committed Christian and loved her Christian family very much. She will be greatly missed by her lovely family, family and a host of friends. May God bless all her family in a very special way. Much love, David and Catherine Cole. And then I received these verses from Beth. She said, these are some of the verses that she had, Sister Ruth had highlighted in her Bible, and they are the examples that she lived by. Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On, the, on thee do I wait all day. Psalm 51 and 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Proverbs 31, 10 to 12. Who can find a virtuous woman? For a price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Isaiah 12 and 2. I will trust and not be afraid. Psalm 56 and 3. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Psalm 71 and 1. In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. And Psalm 34, verses 1 to 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Those verses give you the character of Sister Ruth Pritchett. Indeed, we're going to sing again, this time near to the heart of God. Uh, we'll invite the congregation, except the immediate family, to stand at this time that we could sing.
please be seated. Sun Glenn comes to minister in song. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. On behalf of our family, I would like to extend our heartfelt gratitude for you coming this morning to celebrate the homegoing of our mother, grandmother, great-grandmother. It is truly a humbling experience. I want to thank all the people who called and expressed their gratitude and love for Mother, their condolences, and to the team that prepared food for us last night, which we thoroughly enjoyed. I thank you very much on behalf of the family. If you ask me today to sum mom's life in a short space, I would say simple. Mother loved her God. Mother loved this church. Mother loved her family. And mother loved her friends. It's been a rough week for us. So with mixed feelings, today is sad, but it's also a joyful day. On last Sunday, God gave me the opportunity, as he did Deborah, as he did Kim, to speak with Mother moments before she passed. And she told me, Glenn, God has been so faithful to me. He's given me 90 years, and I've never been sick. And even though she's not here today, we who believe have the comfort of knowing it's only till the Savior is ready then we will see Mom again and Dad. And I thank you all. God bless you.
God be the glory. Thank you, dear brother. If we have everything but not Jesus, we have nothing. But if we have nothing but we have Jesus, we have everything. If we're only born once, we have to die twice. If we're born twice, we only have to die once. There's an interesting tombstone in Indiana. It reads this way. Pause, stranger, as you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. There is a sense in which every funeral closes the eyes of the dead and opens the eyes of the living. And here's a real eye-opener. The Bible has bad news and good news. The bad news is about us, and the good news is about God. The bad news in the first place is we all have sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we were to go in the parking lot and have a throwing contest of a rock... And all of you were given a rock, and I was given a rock, and the rocks are about the same size. And the contest was to throw a rock from New Providence to New York City. None of us would hit New York City. It's just too far away. Some of us would outthrow others, but none of us would hit New York City from Nassau. So it is with God's perfection and glory. None of us hit it on our own efforts. We all fall short. That's bad news. The bad news gets worse insofar as the Bible says that sin, falling short, earns us a paycheck, and the paycheck that sin earns us is death, separation. Eternal death is the separation of the resurrected body, soul, and spirit from God forever in a place the Bible calls hell. In Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. The first job I ever had was in a head office of a lumber company, And my job was to deliver the mail to all the corporate uh, persons who got mail at the head office. At the end of two weeks, every two weeks, they give me a piece of paper that I could take to the bank and cash. It was called a paycheck. And when I got the paycheck every two weeks, I never uh, really treated it as a surprise. I knew I had earned the money. God says we all fall short, and by falling short, we all earn the paycheck of being separated from God. That's bad news. But the Bible, thankfully, also has good news. And the good news of the Bible has to do with God. And the first part of the good news is that God loves sinners and has died for them. In Romans 5, verse 8, it says, But God has demonstrated his own love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us in our places as our substitute. Cancer is such a terrible thing, and so many of the people we love have it. But I want you to imagine that 
If I had cancer diagnosed in my body and the doctor at doctor's hospital were to say, I can get all the cancer out of you, Pastor Elliot, but I can't just put it down the drain. I have to put it into somebody else. If you were to say, I'll take Pastor Elliot's cancer, it would mean that you knew that you would die so I could live. Jesus Christ took upon himself the cancer of all of our sins, knowing he must die on the cross so that as we believe in him as Savior, we can live. That's good news. The good news even gets better insofar as God offers forgiveness and heaven as gifts. We can't earn them. It says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It, salvation, is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one would boast. If anyone makes heaven, it's because they were given it as a gift, and they reached it with the hand of faith and received it by placing faith and trust in Christ alone. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, that's a fresh way of hearing it. I've always thought I had to work my way to heaven, more good than bad, and maybe I would make it. This is what you could pray from where you sit if you want to settle this matter, even as it was settled for Ruth. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I fall short of you. I deserve separation from you. But I thank you that you've proven your love for me by sending your only son, Jesus, to die in my place. And God, I thank you that you will give me forgiveness and one day heaven if I will trust Christ and Christ alone. And I do so right now from where I sit. God will hear that prayer, and God will save you. Ruth Pritchard definitely trusted in Christ alone. And going back to that tombstone I referenced in Indiana, someone read that epitaph, and they scratched this reply. To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. (laughs) Again, funerals close the eyes of the dead and they open the eyes of the living. 1 Timothy 1 verse 12 is the single verse which I've been led of the Lord to preach this morning at dear sister Ruth Pritchard's homegoing service. And the verse reads this way, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Again, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Sister Ruth Pritchard was strengthened and was faithful and was in Christ's service. You know, I've noticed that there's something soothing about being around a faithful person. When someone is committed and dependable, then the others who are around that person don't have to worry or make a plan B. When there's faithfulness in a marriage, or on a job, or in a church, then everyone else's sense is that all is well. Ruth Pritchard, bless her, gave everyone who knew her the sense that all is well. For many years, many years, For many years of dependable service in Awana, our children's ministry, and in Sunday school, our children's ministry, for many, many years, her service in operation in as much feeding the hungry, and in many years of near-perfect attendance at church worship services on Lord's Days, all these things evidenced her faithfulness, her Christian character, and all of these things made Ruth, 
a person worthy to copy. And Ruth called the persons who were around her, the person she loved the most, she called them to faithfulness too. Her children and their spouses and her grandchildren got the message from her that any perceived unfaithfulness needed to improve. She set the bar high. One time, one of her children was not out to a church meeting, and after getting home, Ruth telephoned. Where are you? Home. Where are the kids? With us here? Didn't see you at church. We just didn't make it out. Well, okay. Not a good okay. A protest okay. A better do next time okay. She set the bar high. You know, it's easy to want to please and to copy a truly faithful person. And when a committed and dependable person challenges someone else to commitment and to dependability, it carries a lot of weight. It's like a fitness class instructor who actually does all the exercises right with his class. Steve Green recorded a song called Find Us Faithful. The words are, we're pilgrims on a journey of the narrow way, and those who've gone before us line the way, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary, their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us run the race, not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Sister Ruth, we find you faithful. Now, I would imagine that all who are here as believers in the Lord Jesus would want 1 Timothy 1.12 to be associated with them. Again, it reads, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. I'm from Toronto, Canada, and the Toronto Transit Authority moves a lot of persons around Toronto by streetcar and bus and subway. And sometimes the Toronto Transit Authority buses have digital signs that disappoint commuters out of service. Out of service means that a particular bus is not doing the job it was designed to do. That bus has no riders. That bus is pretty much useless. (laughs) You know, some Christians are like that bus. They're out of service. They drive up and down and up and down the streets of what we call Christianity and the church, but they're out of service. They're watching other Christians who are buses which are in service. And just like out-of-service buses burn gas, but they don't move people, out-of-service Christians sit in pews but they don't serve. The key verse again, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Perhaps God, with this funeral sermon on faithfulness, is putting you back into service, Christian. That would be good. Sister Ruth would like that. One more thing. 
I've noticed that quite a bit of being faithful is being determined. (laughs) There's a man here in Nassau that probably all of us have seen quite a bit. He sells newspapers standing either on the side of the street or right in the middle of the street. He's there early in the morning, and he's there again after dark. And maybe he's been there all the time in between. He carries a big, heavy stack of newspapers like they are his children. No newspaper is out of order. He holds one newspaper low so that passing motorists can read the headline. (laughs) The other day I spoke to him for the first time. I rolled down my window and I said, hi, sir. Hi, do you want paper? No, thanks. Not today. But I've been admiring you for quite some time now. You work hard. Thank you, sir. How many newspapers do you get each day? 380. Wow. You try to sell 380 papers every day? I don't try. I do sell 380. (laughs) That's the statement of a determined faithful newspaper seller. I love that answer. He does sell 380 newspapers every day because that's his determination. He stays on the job until the job is done. Ruth Pritchard stayed on the job until the job was done. She got the Lord Jesus' jobs done. May the same be said of us. May the same be said of us that he or she didn't just try to serve the Lord. Rather, he or she did serve the Lord by being determined and faithful. Their bus was not out of service. (laughs) The bar has been set high, thanks to Sister Ruth. 1 Timothy 1.12, one more time. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Sister Ruth Pritchard could say that. I trust we all can too. Churches could use more faithful Christians who are in service. Pray about that. Lord, we thank you for the great privilege and the mystery that the omnipotent God, the God who can do anything, would want to utilize the likes of us to do his will on earth. Lord, we pray that each morning we would rise and commit ourselves to you for service, a kind word, sharing of something we have enough of, telling someone the way to heaven, responding to the needs for ministers in our churches. Lord, give each one of us a determined faithfulness, and we will gratefully thank you, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a time of committal, church committal time now. So I invite you as a congregation to please stand where you are. Jesus said all of the following. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me 
has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Friends, we have gathered here to lay to rest dear Sister Ruth Pritchard's earthly house. I want to remind us that this gathering in this church building is not in vain. For we have gathered here on the basis of a forever sure and certain hope, which is anchored to the word of the true and living God. I want to share one more portion of the Bible with you now. It is 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this I say, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Inasmuch as it pleased our Lord and Heavenly Father to take from our midst by gathering to himself this one whom we dearly love. We commit her earthly house to its final resting place, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, a place for safekeeping only until that great trumpet day, that glorious day when the treasure we now deposit into a vault for safekeeping, is transformed and raised imperishable and glorified. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, all that hands could do have we done. Where we leave off, do you take up and take care? Watch over the hallowed place, in holy remembrance until the promised resurrection. Bless the family that remains on earth. Secure them by your love. Instruct them by your word. Comfort them by your promises. Sustain them by your grace. Encourage them by your people. Warm them by the memories they hold dear. Heal them by your touch. Guide them by your Holy Spirit. Save them by your sacrifice. Precious Lord Jesus, send us away now to our homes and to the work that awaits us in your love and in your dear name. Amen. We're going to sing the last hymn in our order of service, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound.
that saved a wretch like me.